Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Hello, perfect peeps. I left my screen share open. There we go. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? Um, we are happy to have Anthony back on. How are you, Anthony? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. I'm such a huge fan of the show. I always enjoy hanging out here and getting to be on and just hang out with y'all. Absolutely. We love having you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming back. I know that last time you were here, we were talking about a few different things. You were at Steps In before, and now you've had a job change. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that happened and what's been going on? Yeah, sure. So Stepson had been my very first um, ever tech job, really, because I had first gotten involved in open source through Redwood JS. And that's kind of like I did that to partly to like kind of get noticed and hopefully get a job as kind of the, the, the whole idea. So that was a GraphQL framework. And so it kind of made sense that I was, you know, kind of contacted and offered a job essentially to like a GraphQL company. And I learned a lot doing that, and it was a really fantastic experience, and it's a great team, and it's a great product, but I kind of had an itch to try something else, just because, like, you, you probably know, like, I'm very active in the ecosystem. Like, I know a lot of people who are doing a lot of things, and so I see, like, a lot of different stuff that's going on all the time. And I had a couple of friends who were getting into um, what's kind of known as, like, Web3 now, which is basically just, like, a rebranding of, like, blockchain, and it's something that... Like you, you all know Natter, Natter Dabit. I, I think he was on the show quite a while ago and he transitioned from working at AWS Amplify to working for um, Edge and Node, which does the graph. And so that's like a GraphQL based blockchain project. But um, I also have a friend, Noah Hine, who worked, it currently works at uh, QuickNode. And it was kind of interesting because like for him starting QuickNode was kind of like for me starting steps. And it's like he was also breaking into the industry at the same time I was. And I've, you know, continued to chat with him as he's been working there. And it just like continued to like seem like a really interesting place to to work in a really interesting space. And for kind of larger context, I got very interested in like kind of they always say going down the rabbit hole, like when it comes to like crypto stuff. I went down the rabbit hole on Ethereum back in 2017, actually, before I even knew how to code at all. I had a couple of friends who were kind of getting into it. And so we were looking at it and like we bought some Ethereum and like in 2017 throughout the year kind of like ramped up and then like hit this like huge peak around the end of 2017, beginning of 2018 that had this huge crash, which then led to like a multi-year bear market. And then it then spiked again in the last couple of years. So there's like kind of macro like financial things involved with it, but also like it's cool, interesting tech that's based around like privacy and security and access and and all this other stuff. And then there's also the NFT world, which is like this whole art thing going on as well. So there's like, there's so many facets of it. So I just kept like being drawn to it and eventually just got the opportunity to actually like apply and get in. And they're building up like a really legit DevRel team now at QuickNote that I'm a part of. So I've gone from being kind of like the sole DevRel person kind of pushing DevRel at steps in to now like a person working with like other people who are like on a DevRel team. And I'm like, Brittany, you've actually like made a similar kind of career transition of right around the same time I did. So yeah. um, it's uh, it's just a lot of fun, and like I'm very happy to have made the switch. I'm That's really awesome. curious, like when you when you talk about like Web three and you know, like blockchain and like NFTs and all all that fun you know hype words that are out there right now, 
Is there more to it than just like blockchain for Web3? Is there something above and beyond that like is kind of the next layer or is it all about kind of distributed? It's, it's all about distributed and decentralization, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's all blockchain. So if you want to know kind of what I see as like the larger vision of what fits into Web3, it also includes things like IPFS. So IPFS is not a blockchain. It's, um, it's kind of like a decentralized distributed version of Git. So it's a, it's a version control system. That's also a peer-to-peer system. So that's a way that you can actually put like content and like a website online. So I'm actually going to be on semantics in the next couple of weeks to, to demo that. So um, we're not going to do that today. We're just going to look at like blockchains and kind of smart contracts. I think it's kind of like a, a better one-on-one, but the two can kind of interact with each other in the sense that you, the main idea is that you don't want your stuff to live on like a single server out there in the world. And it's not, not like edge. It's not in the sense that like you want your stuff to be distributed. So it's easily more access. It's actually, you don't want it to be like owned by anybody. You want it to like not be on Amazon servers or DigitalOcean servers. You want it to be on kind of, set of computers that are all running the protocol together so you can kind of buy into how it works and like what it's going to do in the future and like the, that kind of stuff so there's kind of some higher level concepts around like why this is important which has to do more so with how do you build like a trustless system how do you build a system that everyone can buy into and kind of agree on like the rules of that system and how it functions and how it operates so to me, that's that's really the the promise here more so than like all the buzzwords. Nice. I will. Um, Some Antics is Ben Meyer's stream on Twitch. I will link that for everyone and put it in the show notes. So that is out there. I have, uh, I have the record. I'm the, the most most frequented guest on that show, actually. And I always kind of push Ben to a topic that's like almost outside of his wheelhouse, but still kind of falls into it. So I did want to veet. And I did one on Dino and like he doesn't usually cover like backend or like build tool stuff, but they're based on like web standards. So I'm doing an IPFS one because it's like still based around web standards. It still just gives you a URL at the end of the day with like a website that's like a static thing. So you can put an Elevity site on there if you want to, you know. Oh, yep. And that's really cool. I was on a few months ago doing Svelte with him. So it was really fun. It's a cool show. Yeah. So the the title of our our pod today is uh, Quick Node builds infrastructure for the future. How does Quick Node actually fit into the the picture for Web three? Yeah. So where Quick Node fits in is that Quick Node is an infrastructure company. So if you think of something like AWS or DigitalOcean, in the sense that it gives you the ability to host a node, then this host a server is the same thing with Quick Node and Quick Node. We our our name is kind of confusing because we actually don't we're not what's called like a node provider because there's a node provider which gives you uh, like a server essentially. But what we do is we just give you like an endpoint and it's like a global API that you can then hook into. So you're not like being given access to, like a single server that's running somewhere. You're basically like hooked up to the entirety of QuickNode system, and we have different blockchains that we offer. So. When you get into like blockchain stuff, you eventually you like figure out very quickly there's like a lot of different blockchains. Actually, the the most well known ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum, but there's mm-hmm. also ones that are more common now 
such as like Solana or Avalanche, which is the one we'll be looking at today. So if you go to quicknode.com, you can see a list of all 14 chains that we currently support. And we'll be adding some like every month or so for a while, maybe even like ramp up to a quicker pace. And at a certain point, it's, it's hard to say. But right now we're like still adding chains and we believe in creating like a service that allows people to attached to whatever chain they want. So if you think of something like Netlify, they don't just support one framework. Like if you want to deploy something to yeah. Netlify, they support all the frameworks. And so that's kind of the idea. We want to give developers the ability to work with whatever chain they want because everyone's going to have their own ideas of which ones are best suited for their own particular use case. Do you think um, the $1,000 I put in Shiba you know, will like really, really take off after this pod? Can, can we just like keep saying it over and over? And like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a the the token stuff is like I said that that's like its own kind of corner of this and some of that I tend to not like I'm not here to push any to shill any coins I'm not here to tell anyone to buy anything this is I'm not here to give anyone financial advice for me like this is a this is a dev tooling company and and that's why I think it's it's very appropriate to to demo it here on this kind of stream because I know you all love dev tools you know tools that like give developers the ability to build faster, cheaper, more reliable software. That's that's really what we're all about here and, and not like trying to trying to shill someone's coins to create some sort of pump and dump scheme, <laughs> yes. you know? I'm totally joking, by the way, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> I, and... I, think, I think that's one thing that we should hit on before we like mm-hmm. go into a deep dive on demo and stuff. Like when you hear Web3, I feel like it's so connected to the the coin or the dollars or like the monetization piece of this. Can you just kind of like break down for us where you would see kind of, you know, QuickNote and hosting RPC and like how that actually fits in when you take monetization like out of the picture? Like what would people use it for transactionally and things? Yeah, so it's partly what makes something like Ethereum interesting versus Bitcoin is that it's not just a ledger that saves a bunch of transactions. So this is why there was a while where people would, say something they would say blockchain not bitcoin and so like web3 is like saying web3 not blockchain because like we have to keep changing the, the terminology because people get certain latched on to certain ideas but the thing is always kind of shifting so the thing that makes ethereum different from bitcoin is that you can actually embed a general purpose program into ethereum and that's what we're going to do today so we're actually going to have a program that's like a computer program that's written in a programming language that does any sort of arbitrary logic you could think of. So it allows you to embed any sort of thing you can think of. And so you don't even necessarily have to make it connected to a token. The The reason why the token concept still has to kind of exist though is because there needs to be a way to actually compensate the people who run the network itself. Because if you think about it, this is not a network that's being run by Amazon and is a company that sells a product which allows them to have this computer space and then allows them to sell it to people. It's it's a different thing entirely. It's something that a group of people are running as like a shared group of people to have it just be up and have access to it. So the system is set up in a way where you have to pay to write to it because it then has an incentive mechanism built in to pay the people who are running the network. And so I think this is actually like really important because it, it, uh, ensures that like people who work on this kind of stuff are actually getting paid for it. It's like, this is such a problem. We talk about an open source where yeah. people are doing all this work and they're creating all this software and people are relying on the software and people are building companies on this software that is making those people quite a lot of money. <laughs> but then the people who are writing that open source software aren't, aren't getting nope. anything for it. So I actually think it's important that these things require money to use because there's a, 
people and technology behind it, energy being expended to, to mm. do this stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, I think I heard uh, Jason on, on their remotely interesting say about uh, you, you can eat all your cake and then your reward is more cake type of thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's so true about OSS. It's just like <laughs> compiled. So I totally agree with that. Like we have to figure out how to pay all these people that do an amazing amount of work. Speaking about something amazing, um, we are going to throw our ad up for Storyblock and we'll be back in one minute. We know that creating content can be a tedious balancing act. Developers want flexibility to make seamless digital experiences, while content teams need the tools to work independently. We make changes and are left to watch everything fall apart. We met our limits using plugin after plugin and waiting weeks for edits. All for this. We knew it was time to rebuild the blocks. Storyblock gives marketers creative control and use a visual editor to actually see what they're doing. And developers are no longer restrained to a set of technology. Storyblock has made it simple for each market with localization and personalization tools and allows you to publish content on all channels and all devices. Truthfully, we all wanted the same thing, to deliver the right information to the right destination at the right time. love all the different musics i like just bounce in the background do, 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 do. we've been listening to the same ad for so long I, I was like able to repeat it and now we're gonna have to start with this new one, we'll so. the same one. Yeah. if anyone knows anyone uh, who wants to sponsor the pod let us know like we're looking for one or two more by the end of the year so um, just throw that people in. i'll message you afterwards <laughs> sweet awesome Thanks, Anthony. um okay i think uh we've reached the point of all the questions because Brittany and I, I feel like don't have a clue what this web thing three thing is still like I've, I, I've tried it. I've used MetaMask. I've done tutorials, but like, let's do this demo. Like, like show us the meat. I was going to say earlier that uh, when we did our holiday fun episode that I just looped all of it into just this one pile, like web three, like all of it was just this one thing to me. I had no idea what they were. So I'm really <laughs> yeah. excited to see the demo. I, yeah. I feel like for me, every time I like learn something, I, I open like one extra chapter. I'm like, dang it. Now I'm like this whole other. Like, no, it's like, your comb. It's your comb adds another yes. little line. <laughs> my my tiny, tiny web three comb of my broken comb is getting big. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. What do you All think, right. Anthony? What, what are you going to demo us today? Yeah. So what we're going to do is. I had mentioned briefly a little bit about smart contracts and how that allows you to embed a program into the blockchain. So we're going to write a, what I consider just a hello world smart contract, which basically means it's something that allows you to write a message to the blockchain and then read a message back and then change that message and then read it back. So it's just like, you think of it as kind of like CRUD functionality, create, read, update, delete. You can't delete it, but you can update it and you can read it and you can create it, but you can't delete it. And that's kind of an important thing. It's like, cause if you can delete it, then you could just like delete whatever you want. You don't want people to be able to delete your money. So that's kind of one, one thing that makes this a little bit unique and, and different. Now, the important thing is going to be the kind of developer tooling based around it. So there's going to be both the the kind of blockchain itself, which is Avalanche, and then there's going to be some open source libraries we're going to use. We're just going to install those as some NPM packages. And then there's going to be 
the endpoint that quick node gives us which then that is what allows us to actually connect to this network of computers which is the avalanche blockchain so i will go ahead and share my screen here and that should be all good to go now you had mentioned metamask actually and we're we're starting to use the coinbase wallet more in some of our tutorials but for this one i'll go with metamask as well because i think it's probably more familiar to people who have ever tried this and this is going to be basically our like quote-unquote money so right now i have some what's is, called is there any like pros and cons to like coinbase first metamask the only reason i ask i use everything coinbase for my real like real real right. money my thousand dollar thing that's uh-huh. floating around out there and i'm like do I mess with like dev stuff against Coinbase? Like how careful do I have to be there? Yeah, I try to, well, so first off, you want to keep like your actual funds wallet that you actually are holding crypto in separate from anything you're going to be doing with like dev stuff. So like I would recommend like a hard separation there, like no matter what, (laughs) and then creating extra accounts that are like specifically labeled as like dev stuff to make sure you don't confuse yourself. Because if you spend, if you actually send real money to one of your dev ones, or you send, trying to send dev money or your real ones, like one is okay. The other one is not. (laughs) Right. right. And that's why like mentally I'm like, okay, Coinbase is my real stuff. MetaMask is all dev (laughs) Yeah, there, cool. there's a couple differences. I mean, Coinbase's wallet on the browser lets you look at NFTs. Like, that's something you can't actually do in MetaMask, which is kind of a bummer. Like, you need to get MetaMask on your phone if you want to, like, actually see yeah. an NFT image, whereas, like, you can't do that right now. If I wanted to see my sweet moon duck right now, <laughs> we could not do that. <laughs> but you could do that with Coinbase wallet. But MetaMask is more community focused and it's like less controlled by kind of like a single company it is owned by a single company which is consensus but consensus is kind of like a i want to say entirely neutral but a a fairly neutral player in the ethereum ecosystem whereas with coinbase it's like this one company that has like its own exchange and their wallet ties into their exchange so there's going to be always questions there and if you actually have stuff in coinbase already then it makes more sense to use the wallet than if you don't so it's a which wallet to use is kind of like a very complicated multifaceted question that is a bit orthogonal to to today's topic cool yeah so when you have a wallet like this i already have some money in it but just so we can get some context here of how i got this here everything we're doing here is with fake money so this is all on what's called a test net and the test net means that this I did not have to pay for this AVEX, and I cannot sell this and exchange this for for US dollars. This is not real money. This is like the kind of monopoly money version of <laughs> Avalanche. And so we have what are called um, faucets, which is basically just you plug your address in here, and then it'll give you some fake money. And it sometimes will ask you to do a CAPTCHA or not, kind of depending on how many bots are spamming them at any given point in time. You see over here, this just bumped up from 9 to 11. And this is exactly how a real wallet would work. If I had actual money in this and I wanted to send it to somebody else, I would be able to give them my address and they could send me money or they could give me their address and I could send them money. So that's kind of like your, like what is like an actual cryptocurrency kind of kind of 101, but everything we're doing isn't requiring money because this is all on testnet. This is not actual real money, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to spin up just a uh, React app with Vite. 
And let's do coding cat web three. And do you all have much familiar with much familiarity with Vite? I know that some of you probably use frameworks out where you're using yeah, because Svelte kits all in that Vite train. So <laughs> do you use Vite, yes. Alex? Uh, we've been using V on Quick quite a bit, so I've gotten a little more familiar with it. Um, I'm slow on every framework, I feel like, so I'm still stuck on Next.js stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. blows Webpack out of the water. Yeah. yeah, I really I really like V. I think that there's still a lot of good arguments to be made for using Webpack if you're on like a serious production application because it's more battle-tested, but for like sample apps and the kind of stuff that I do with like a dev advocate, I, I pretty much always use Vite. Nice. So let me just... Uh, explain kind of those things I just installed right here. So the dependencies that I installed is we have yeah, .env, which is just for our environment variables. And we've got hardhat and hardhat is going to be our development environment. That's going to allow us to actually deploy a smart contract onto the blockchain and allows you to do that with just like a single command, which is pretty nice. And then Ethers is you can kind of think of it like your your client library that you use to actually interact with the blockchain in JavaScript. So if you install any kind of companies like Web SDK, there'll be like certain JavaScript methods you'll use to do all sorts of stuff. Like so that, maybe Prisma to the GraphQL stuff. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good example. And then you have Nomic Labs. They're the people behind Hard Hat. And so there's a, a library that kind of lets you integrate the, the two together. So this is one of those things where there's a certain boundary between these different tools that may be a little fuzzy when you do like an end-to-end -end experience, but they're meant to work very well with each other together. So this allows you to get like up really fast with just like kind of blockchain stuff. This is a similar thing to like when Natter was kind of like writing his first tutorials about this stuff. These are like several tools that, that he was using. So I read all of those and have kind of written now like my own versions of them. But um, if you're into like JavaScript stuff, everything we do here should be like fairly comprehensible. So the only real thing that's different is going to be Solidity. So we're going to create three files here. We're going to create a file for our Solidity smart contract a file for our actual deployment script and then a file to configure our hard hat environment. And we'll get into all that stuff kind of more once we look at each individual file. We then also create a couple different environment variables. So one is going to be for our quick note endpoint. And then one is going to be our private key for our wallet. Cause when we actually deploy the smart contract, we have our wallet's key in there so that we can essentially sign it and say like, this is ours. We're the ones who are like putting this on the blockchain. And the thing we're going to create is going to be kind of totally open. People can do whatever they want to, because it's just like writing a message. But it also is like, if you want to lock this down and have to like associate with your wallet in particular, that's a, a thing you can do as well. So there's like security mechanisms that are kind of built into this that we're not going to go into too much, but are a more important part of like actually writing a, a Solidity smart contract. It's is the the quick node uh sorry that like private key there that's associated quick node or your wallet or is it your wallet is associated to quick node which is so the so the url the quick node url is the only thing we're going to get from quick node and then the private key is from just our metamask wallet okay. here Got it. so if we went to account details and we click export private key it then asks you for your password and it'll give you back your private key so that's cool. associated specifically with your wallet and then the endpoint is specifically with Thank you. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, no problem. These are all good, good questions. And then we'll have one more environment variable, which is going to be prefixed with Vite underscore because it's going to be exposed on our front end through Vite. And this is the, once we deploy the smart contract, we get back this contract address, which we give to our front end to interact with it through the JavaScript methods. And then the last ever important step is do not commit your .env file because it has both your quick node URL, which it needs to be kept private because you don't want people spamming your endpoint and then your private key, which would allow people to get access to your wallet, which is like the worst, the worst thing to do. If, also why... private, if V is exposing that on the client side, um, would you not want to keep that private and not use the V underscore? So the, some the, that might be written a little confusingly because I'm adding three environment variables there at one time. So what's happening here is, these two are not being exposed by Vite. Only, okay. the, only yeah. your contract address is what's going to be exposed to the client, whereas these environment variables are just for your hard hat config, and those will not be exposed to the client at all. So that's like anything that's prefixed with Vite, you need to make sure it's something that you actually want to be exposing. And the contract address yes. is public, because that's like, if I wanted to share my wallet address then I could just share it with anyone. They could like send me funds, but they can't mess with my wallet. And it's the same thing with the contract address. If you have the address for the smart contract, that just allows you to interact with it through the way you're supposed to. It doesn't allow you to like get inside of it and do weird stuff to it like you could if you had the private key. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Cool. And so now that we got all that going, let's just check out our boilerplate little re- uh, feet project here. And this will be very similar to anything you'll have seen with create a React app. Got your little counter there. And let me just change this up here to... Good old CRA. Yep. I haven't seen it in so long. I haven't either. I was just like, <laughs> I have not like written an actual React example in so long. Yep. All right, so there is our baseline project. Now let's start looking at the the Web 3E kind of stuff. Now this is the Solidity file. And so when I got a job at QuickNode, I had to do a technical interview where I had to write a Solidity smart contract. So this is a very important thing. and something that if you're trying to get into Web 3 and get into this kind of blockchain stuff, the very first thing you should do is just start learning a little bit of Solidity. You could go really, really deep in Solidity and become like specifically a smart contract developer, but that's actually like kind of a somewhat of a niche specialty. So I, I wouldn't say like really like over index on that, but like you, everything we're doing is going to be based around this contract. So if you don't at least know the basics, you're going to be like totally confused about, about everything. So it's a, it's a good foundation to kind of build in the sense of like, you want to learn a little JavaScript before you start learning frameworks. You know, it's the same kind of idea. But before you do anything, just like try and wrap your mind around your basics of solidity. Now, if you've ever done like object oriented stuff, it shouldn't be too confusing though, because we're going to define this contract, which you can think of as an object with a constructor and with some functions on it. So our hello world contract. And then this stuff up here is just defining our versioning number to want to be explicit about that. There's none of this like package lock, like just give me the, the latest. <laughs> you, you don't do that in, in blockchain world. You always specify the exact version of whatever it is you're using. 
and then this will allow us to just console log some information along with the contract and we'll, we'll see that one what does the pragma mean um pragma this is just a part of the solidity um syntax so i'm not sure why the name pragma specifically is used but this basically just means you're setting the version of solidity to uh 0.8.6 and okay uh, so any version of 8 would work here but point or 0.9 would fail so that's yep. kinda, that's what the carrot means that feels like a straight c crossover there to me like the pragma c is that is that a c i've never written c so I think so. That's that's yeah. kind of like for Python people, it's... Oh gosh, that's been too long. Hip. I'm not going to attempt it. I've been told this is a C-like language. So. Yeah, it's very okay. C-like. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so you have... Um, you're going to declare a variable, which is going to be a string. So it's type language. And then we have public and private methods. So if you've ever done Java or C, there's probably things you recognize from each. And then the functions themselves are a little bit JavaScript-y-like. So... It's, you know, it's his own programming language, but it should be fairly familiar to people who know most of the kind of, you know, popular programming languages of the day. And then you have a constructor, which you will pass in the hello message, and then this will both console log it and then set it to the hello message variable. So what this allows you to do is when we deploy this contract, we're going to feed in a string, which is going to make it so there's already something set to the message that then we can manipulate and change if we want. And so that's what's going on here. And then we have a hello function. This is our getter. So we declare a function. And then this one's going to be public because it's going to be a function that we want to expose and allow anyone to basically call. So if anyone wants to read this message from our contract, we want to make sure it's public. And then we will specify the type of what it returns. So it's going to return a string. And then it's going to then just return the hello message. It's really interesting to me. Like they kind of go with class base, but then switch out function and method. So. I don't know. It's it's wild. Yeah, it's a it's a unique little little language. And then this will be our setter. So our function set hello will pass in a message. Is also a convention. You'll see this underscore here. That's for the argument. And then the argument gets set to the actual one. So it kind of helps you keep the two straight in your head. And then it'll also console log a message of changed this to this, which will be this to this and that is the entire contract so that's kind of like your solidity hello world example any questions on that i think that all i mean that jives with me oh it uses console log too instead of print that's like something else that's yeah it's like javascript inside the functions and then outside it's like a class-based and, and that's because that's being imported from hard hat so that is Less mm. of something kind of built into the Solidity language proper and more of like the hard hat kind of introducing some of like this developer tooling that's very familiar to, to JavaScript. Developers. Oh, okay. It's, that, it's still, that it is still Solidity, but it's like, yeah, uh, like the console package that like hard hat has. So that's why it, it sticks out a little bit. Okay. And then this part we're seeing here, this is going to be pretty much all hard hat and ethers stuff. So what this is, this is straight up JavaScript now. So we are going to 
just have a main function that we're going to run. And what this main function is going to do is it's going to run this method get contract factory. And then it runs our hello world contract because we see we have this named hello world.soul. And so that's going to be the contract we're going to pass in. And then it will initialize the hello world factory. And then we can run, basically, we can create as many objects off of this contract as we want. So this is like the, the factory pattern is, a, is like an object oriented kind of pattern. And then when I was talking about how we're going to feed in a string to automatically set the hello message, that is what this is here. So the message is going to start as hello from quick node when we deploy it. So we just run the hello function to get the message back, we'll get this. And then we can change that with the set hello function. And then you just await it and then run the dot deployed method on it. So these are all the hard hat conventions. And then this will console log in your actual like browser, which will be the address for the contract and then the, the signer. And sorry, not the, not the browser. This will be in the terminal when you deploy it. And then when you actually uh, run the the React front end will also be there's there's many there's many levels of console logging that are happening here but essentially you, you console log something at almost every point of the point of the process. Okay, so does that make sense? Any questions on that? Yeah, I think I actually walked through. I, I think Natter did a very similar one to this, and there was points in here when we start kind of getting in hard hat versus like bouncing back and forth, I think might be a little confusing for people that write JavaScript um, a lot for mm -hmm. the web. So just calling that out, not really a, a question, but more of a statement of that's, that's something I got hung up on at first. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. So something that might help distinguish this is that everything we're going to be doing up to deploying the actual contract is basically all hard hat and solidity stuff. Cause there's the contract itself and then hardhat is the tool that allows you to actually get that contract onto the blockchain. So there's a contract itself. There's a tooling to get the contract up. And then once we get into our front end and our React app, we'll be completely removed from hardhat. We'll be just using the Ethers library. And so that's its own thing that is like your actual client software. So the understanding the boundaries between those two things tends to be, I think, what was confusing to me when I was getting started. So there's like, the I kind of think of like the hard hat is like your your build tooling and then ethers as like your client library. And this will be make more sense. Cool. Yeah, and this is very if you and then also you can run like a command like a hard hat command that generates you a boilerplate project and it looks fairly similar to this. And this is one of the things that's nice about this web three stuff is it's actually like very composable in the sense that like you have contracts you do stuff with contracts, you read from the contracts, but like there's a very clear like separation of concerns there, which is is what I really like and makes these like tutorials kind of really fun to, <laughs> to build and to do. Because here's where you then can specify different chains. So I was talking about how we're using Avalanche and not Ethereum. So right here, if we were doing this on Ethereum or if we were doing it on Ethereum testnet, we wouldn't use the term Fuji, we would use, say, Ropsten, because Ropsten is the test net for Ethereum. So Ethereum also has a main net with actual funds and Ether on it, and then like test nets with like fake Ether that people can use to test and transact for, for free, essentially. So this is going to be the Fuji network, and then we're going to give it these two environment URLs that I mentioned previously, the QuickNode URL, and then your wallet private key. 
So let me now show the quick node stuff. So this is quick node. So as you can see, we currently offer 14 blockchains. So here's all the ones we got here. You got the classics like Ethereum and Bitcoin. You got some of the newer ones like Algorand and Gnosis and things like that. You got ones that have a bit of bad press recently like Terra. We won't talk about that one. And yeah, so that, that one. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's a it's a whole thing. So <laughs> when you actually go to your your dashboard, you can create an endpoint. So I already have an endpoint, but just so people see what's going on here, I, you would have selected Avalanche and then you would specifically select the Fuji testnet and then you can also do a couple add-ons if you want uh, archive mode is if you want access to like the entire history of the whole chain versus usually when you connect to one of these services they give you like a certain amount of history of the chain which is usually fine for the kind of purposes that you're going to be doing unless you're specifically doing something that requires like deep analytics of the entire chain which is kind of like a, a specific thing but for the most part you will just spin up a node and then you'll get this endpoint. And I'm not going to show the rest of it because at the end of the endpoint, you have uh, basically a private key associated with it. So I'm going to hop off for just one second. Yeah, I was going to say, show, show our beautiful faces. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brittany, so far, like, it's kind of crazy. All the hype, like, people talk about money and like my parents or my dad specifically is always like, what's all this Bitcoin stuff. And then I talk about blockchain. He's like, yeah, but the Bitcoin. And I'm like, Oh, like it's so hard. <laughs> you run into that yet? Or is it like, I don't I know. just, I don't talk to people about it cause I don't know anything about no. it. So if, if I did, I'm sure they would have the same reaction that I do. I just don't know enough. I feel like I, I I do well with the like technical pieces. It's the like association of money yeah. that I'm, like, I'm out. Like I don't know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hopefully this is giving you a, a better idea of like the kind of underlying tech of it because the the financial stuff is is really it's, it's like a whole can of worms onto itself. <laughs> but I think that it's not the whole the whole thing. And you know, it is you know an interesting thing for stuff like. Like if you want to like invest in something, like you need to be an accredited investor. So it's like I've known companies like if I was an accredited investor at the time, I would have invested in like Superbase and like I would have a ton of money right now because I saw Superbase come up real early. But like I couldn't do it. I legally was not allowed to to invest in a company like that. So I think that stuff is actually really interesting and it can potentially create a more um, transparent and like easily accessible financial system for people but that's you could be totally uninterested in all that and still get it's like kind of the smart contract stuff and there's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting stuff there in terms of like what you can build with these applications and the the types of use cases you can enable because something else that people don't usually talk about with nfts is that nfts are actually like a way to like show ownership to like get into like a club. So this is something like there's a developer DAO, which um, Natter created and you have to get like the developer DAO NFT. And then that is what allows you to authenticate. So it's like, that's like your login. And that allows you to then kind of ensure that someone is, is who they say they are and also knows how a wallet <laughs> works in the first place. So it kind of ensures that like you can trust them with this kind of web three tech because like, you don't 
really want someone like coding your system who doesn't understand that stuff because there is money involved. So you you actually want to like be able to ensure people actually know what they're doing with it. So there's ways of kind of proving that and verifying that in a way that is harder to do with other technology. That's really interesting. Does every chain support NFTs? No. So something yeah. like Bitcoin doesn't really because Bitcoin doesn't have like smart contract functionality. Yeah. So there's there's like kind of people build other chains that are like extra layers that can then kind of retroactively add that functionality back in. But like chains are, some chains are like more kind of natively set up for that functionality, like Ethereum or Solana. It's, it's a lot easier to get an NFT auction, not like kind of rejiggering something to make it actually do something that wasn't really meant to do in the first place, which happens a lot to Bitcoin because people don't really want to change it. And that's a whole nother topic. Nice. <laughs> cool. <laughs> many, many rabbit holes to fall down in here. Okay, so now that I got my keys in there, we're going to just run two commands here. We're going to do yarn hardhat compile, and this is going to compile what's called an ABI. And an ABI is an application binary interface, which essentially takes your Solidity files and then turns them into machine code that the chain actually understands. So if you ever worked with a compile language, you know, same thing, like you always write the program that you run a compile step, then you actually run the, the program. So you don't do that with JavaScript, but you, you do type Spell. And... <laughs> Spell, there you go. Yeah, Spell has a compile step. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> and then we run the actual script, which is um, you do hard hat run, and then scripts forward slash deploy.js, which is just where our script lives. And then you give it a network flag and then tell it which network you're deploying it to. So we're specifically deploying it to Fuji versus Ethereum or Ropsten or something like that. And then now we have this right here. And then this will be, I'm going to, just for this, so I don't have to jump off screen again. I'm just going to hard code that in for now so if we get our react app going now this has a fair amount of code but if you know react should be fairly intuitive we're going to do Did you just use react and intuitive together <laughs> just, just messing <laughs> Yeah, right. that's tell, that's why, that's why I said if if you know React, <laughs> if you know React, that that if statement is doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a couple imports here. We're going to do a use state, which is going to allow us to hold the state of our hello message. We're going to import the ethers library, which will allow us to get our wallet connected to the website. And then we're importing these artifacts here. And this is something that Hardhat generated for us, which is basically the methods that we we're creating. So you have like the hello message and it's a string. And then you have the, the hello function and then you have the set hello function. And Hardhat did that during the compile step, like generated all of that? Yep. And then we specifically told it we want you to put those artifacts inside our SRC folder because we want this to be accessible from our React application. And then with all of that, let me grab that. I feel like there's just so many terms. I need a diagram of all the things. Are there, which, are there any in particular that you're 
You want we'll, we'll talk after. I feel like we could like really make a sweet diagram out of this. <laughs> nice. So I'm just going to plug this in right now. So I have to go back into my .env file. And this is now our contract address. And our contract address is going to be passed into this uh, contract method, which is from the ethers library along with our hello world application binary interface. So this is kind of like, you know, when I was first getting to Redwood, I would like demo Redwood apps and I'll be like, it works. Don't ask me how (laughs) this is one of those. This is one of those modes. I don't really know how the ethers library works under the hood, but what it's basically doing is it's exposing the native Ethereum RPC methods to you because each blockchain is just exposing an RPC endpoint. And there's just different methods that go along with that RPC endpoint. And if you go to quicknode.com forward slash docs, you can actually find every single available method on every single blockchain. And so we have like really, really thorough documentation on all that. But that's essentially what's happening here. Ethers is just saying, we're going to basically set you up so you can run these RPC methods. You can do it in JavaScript. You don't have to make calls directly to the blockchain. We're just going to manage that for you. So that's basically what's happening here. And then once we have the contract, we actually run the methods on the contract. So we have the hello and the set hello. So we're going to run the hello method on the contract. And then that will allow us to set the hello message to this data object, which is then set to our hello value, which is our state variable. And then we both console log it and display it here on the page. And then we have a button with an on click to do our fetch hello. So I think that's fairly comprehensible <laughs> as far as React goes. I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah. I'll I will, be grateful. Don't worry. There'll, there'll be a Svelte example within the next couple months. I would love to have you on Svelte Sirens when you do that. Oh, yeah. that's That sounds great. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I just like to give a little CSS preset as well just to make this so you're not just looking at some terrible HTML, unstyled HTML. And then that should be about all we need to do now. Let's get this open again. And now we see we've got some more stuff going on. Let's pop can can I pause for people like myself that have just completely gotten lost? Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got um, Hardhat is creating a method, a binary so- so what I was talking about about the the yes, so the the hard hat stuff is essentially already done for us, and like that is kind of just like in our project now, and we can now access those methods that were automatically generated into that application binary interface. And those those are methods we created, but then we're using the Ethereum package to pass our methods forward or functions forward. So that. So, so the ethers package is what allows us to get into JavaScript world. Because if we looked at the what we generated, it's just like uh, just a raw JSON file, essentially. Mm-hmm. So this is not really something that is like particularly easy to integrate into uh, just a, like a React front end. So what this is allowing us to do is it's allowing us to just call those methods just by doing like this dot hello and then that kind of all gets managed for you so once you have written your contract hardhat figures out how to turn that into something that ethers can understand and that allows you to just call those in your javascript code and not have to worry about that whole kind of translation from a solidity contract 
to an actual you know, application binary interface to then methods that can be called in JavaScript. It kind of seems like developer experience that's gluing the pieces together to make it easier for JavaScript developers to link these things together. Is that yes, that's exactly I what is like... exactly why I got into this stuff, and I was like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Like, okay, I just wish like the Ethers package could do all the contracts as well, so like you could eliminate the hard hat piece somehow, but. It's, well, it's because it's, it's because Ethers is just a client library, and so yeah. like it doesn't have, know anything about the contract. Really. Have you ever used Prisma? Like you can use Prisma with different like GraphQL things. So it just gives you methods that makes it easier to connect to these things. So, mm -hmm. I, so and that's that the reason why that's possible though is because even Prisma themselves have two separate tools that are doing that. There's a Prisma client, and then there's Prisma migrate, and it's only after you run Prisma migrate that actually sets up your database that the Prisma client can do its magic. Yeah. Yeah. It's that abstraction piece. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we have this uh, whoops, working, let's actually see that it works. So we click this, and then it's going to ask us to connect our wallet. And this is the part, if you ever find yourself on some random website, and they ask you to connect your wallet, and you have no idea why you're there or why they're asking you to do it, do not do it. <laughs> this is how you will get owned. So only ever connect your wallet to a website that like, you explicitly trust. I think it's probably worth uh, calling out to if people have never done this. This is actually MetaMask is a Chrome plugin extension. Um, yes. That's mm -hmm. why this is popping up. Yeah, exactly. And so now once we click that button and then our, we've verified that we want to connect to this site through our wallet, it will then read us back the greeting here, which is hello from QuickNode. And it's also being displayed here in our state. So that is our getter. Now, if we want to do... The setter, we're going to now add a set hello function. And this will be very similar. It'll still take in the contract address and the ABI. But the difference is that it now also has a signer. So we're going to be asked to sign this when we change it. That way, there's a record of who changed the message when. And then that then basically just reruns the fetch hello function after doing that and passes in hello to the set hello function on the contract. And then now we're going to just give a little input here. And this will then give us an on change handler to check the change of our input field. And then on click, we'll run the set hello. This is, that'll be, this is the part that when I do this in Svelte, I will need your help with. But um, <laughs> I was wondering where that part was going to be, that piece of setting it, but you're just grabbing the um, value of the input straight in the inline function arrow. Yeah, function. It's, it's, um, it's not a very clean way to do it because if we, we see here, if I change this here, it just automatically changes it there. And even though it's not actually been changed yet until I click the setter, so this is like a, a down and dirty way of doing it, but gets the idea across. Is that because of the binding of values in React? It's, it's because, yeah, it's because right now we're just doing the on change. And so every time Within, we change So every time center, it changes. It Can you not do an on click on the button and include that e.target.value? You'd have to rearrange your code. But uh, yeah. Yes, you you could. Absolutely, you could. It's um, some of that I just haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, one day. <laughs> okay, so now that we got that, we're gonna do 
this and now it's going to ask us to confirm and this is where there's like quote unquote gas fees we see here the gas fee is 0.0009 avex this is one of the reasons why avalanche is so sweet is because ethereum is set up in a way and architected in a way where you have to pay a ton of money on like transaction costs so you can buy a domain and like when i first bought a dot ethers domain it was like $15 for the domain and like $200 for the transaction. So like transaction costs are like a huge, huge problem. But right now, avalanche transactions are fractions of a cent. So this is why... why Is it called gas? (laughs) (laughs) Because the idea is that people can pay a little more to make it more likely that their transaction gets in sooner. So it's a way that it kind of... It's like an auction. So because the block space itself is so valuable and people want it so much and want it so quickly that they built in a mechanism that would basically allow people to pay more to get it in sooner. But then this results in the price running up and up and up when people with lots and lots of money are using the chain. So it's a big problem that Ethereum itself is trying to fix through various different mechanisms of both scaling themselves and then building auxiliary chains that offload computation that gets put back on the chain. So there's different ways of trying to scale the current chains and then other chains that are being created from the ground up to be more scalable. So that's something that is a lot kind of more low level and is more important if you're someone who's like a lead architect on these kind of projects. But this is going back to why QuickNode wants to give you multiple chains so you're not stuck with this one crazy expensive chain. I I think the key image that I have is like back in the 70s during the gas shortage all these mm. cards like blocks stacking up so there's there's the picture right like yeah that's that's fine i've i've heard legends legends of that of that era <laughs> i don't remember that i'm just saying i watch movies it's fine oh, okay. <laughs> no my, my parents lived through that they've they've told me about it, it was definitely a thing <laughs> see how i have to like make an image out of everything it's the only way i learned it. sorry guys all right, so now we get to use our good friend Netlify here to now deploy this. So something I like to say is that Web3 is Jamstack by default, because if you think about it right now, we have a front-end client in JavaScript that is completely decoupled from a back-end that is calling through some sort of API. And the only thing it needs really to do that is that application binary interface we generated and the contract address which we have right in here. So I'm just going to do this like, you know, totally bog simple netlify.toml with a build command and a publish directory. And then we're going to get this up on the internet. And then we're going to use so the GitHub. You did a Git init to init your Git repository. You did Git add, add your files. You did Git yep. commit to commit them, trying yep. to walk people through the steps here. Yeah, and then and this is this part is a little, bit, a little bit confusing. So let me uh, boil this down real quick. So what's happening with this is we are doing GH, which is the GitHub CLI. And then we're going to do a repo create because we want to create a repo. We're going to give it the name coding cat dash web three. We want this to be a public repo, not a private repo. And then we also want to push our changes as we create the repo. This is one of the reasons I really like this command. I need to remember these, like, um, what do you call the little things? Snippets. Like after, yeah, the little parameters that you add after. I've never used those. 
Yeah, because then you can specify the source is just our current project. You can also add a description. That's funny. I always do the um, like the username in front of like coding cat. I guess you don't need it though, do you? Uh, yeah, maybe if you have multiple uh accounts connected to it. I never use my username, and I have multiple organizations and things and. And then the last one is you also then set the remote at the same time. So this is allows you to both create the repo and push everything up at the exact oh, same time. Nice. Which is pretty cool. So that's that guy is now up here on the internet. And now, if, you, if you do that yeah. a whole lot, folks, you can add some bash commands, just FYI, where you just put the repo name. An alias, yes. Add an alias and you can just like add the parameters that you need. Yeah, it, it's true. I tend to avoid that stuff because I like having like tutorials with like the command as it is, so it, other people can yeah. understand what it is as well. So I tell you, like, but yes, if you're someone who does a lot and you're not someone who's a developer advocate, then that's probably the. That is a great do. call out, actually. Like, if you're showing other people how to do it, it's nice to have everything nope. there so that they can like, see it. Your whole, no, your you're whole not going to use the Netlify CLI. I see. I've seen. <laughs> I've been on streams before where people have used the Netlify CLI to try and do this and things go awry. So. <laughs> that happened to me the other day too. So. I mean, it's great. It's nice sometimes when it works, but I feel yeah, it. Like, I, I look forward to the day where I, I can rely on the Netlify CLI because I do think it's awesome, but I've just, I've seen it go wrong enough times where it's <laughs> like, the, I've never once ever deployed a site from the dashboard and has had it not work <laughs> ever. <laughs> so oh. that's nice. I'm just I saying, Rappel's really easy too. What was really easy? I had to do that. Brittany's going to be mad. I can't repeat it. <laughs> okay, and then you said the, the one that should not be named. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to probably have examples on, on all. I mean, like Redwood supports seven deployment providers. So it's like at this point, I have, I feel confident I've used basically all of them. And they're all nice. They all they all got their. And I mean, that's out. that's the way that the Jamstack should be. It's like, yep. not being framework specific, not being hosting provider specific. Okay, um, I'm. We're all good. I want to get this back into Chrome over here. Okay, so now when we do this, we're going to have to reconnect because now you see we're not on local host anymore. We're actually on this website, so we're going to reconnect. And if you see here, it is giving us back our message after we already did the setter because we're passing the exact same contract address and whatever state you leave it in is the state it's going to be in, regardless of what the client was that you connected to it. Mm. And now we're going to do this and then we'll ask us again to confirm this transaction. And then that will be the final step and it will give us back Hello from Netlify. And then if anyone wants to connect to this, they can also do this and they could change the message as well. So this is not like locked down to my wallet specifically, but if you tried to do this and you didn't have a wallet, then just nothing would happen to you. You get an error in the console because you need to have a, some sort of uh, crypto wallet that's attached to do this. And then that's there you awesome. Go. Look at that. He only needed a drink now, folks. I mean, that was amazing. You just talked for an hour and uh, just finally got a dry mouth now. Uh, I'm yeah, impressed. This is, this is why I do. This is, I live for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, 
I was going to point out just kind of a, a shout out to Anthony's uh, main page, I guess I'd say, ajcwebdev.com. Oh, yeah. yeah, Fantastic uh, articles out blog. here. Yeah. Um, so it's it's hash node based, so it's really easily searchable, which I'm finding is kind of interesting, by the way. So good work on that. But I want to call out the Avalanche article I found really interesting, but this um, storing off chain with Fauna, I found fascinating so oh great yeah so this is actually a sponsor article that um uh fauna paid me to write actually so um i basically do a similar thing to what i just did here but then i also bring in an nft and then like kind of show that part so there's a little bit like you don't actually save like the image on a blockchain you save it on ipfs so this is where ipfs also gets into the picture and then I do one final step where I run a GraphQL query to save all of that data onto Fauna so that it's not just kind of like all sitting on your computer somewhere and you can just like lose it. Because this is actually a huge, huge problem. People will pay a ton of money for NFTs and then lose the password to their wallet and then it's gone like forever. <laughs> like you can't get into it So you because people don't write down their keys. So you want to back up all of your information when you do this. Like I, you know, I have a password manager. I save all my stuff in a password manager. So I feel confident I can go into that password manager to get things after the fact. But this kind of goes you one level deeper and is like, we're going to get you a database. You're going to save this information as in a database. So you're going to ensure this doesn't get lost. Now it also means you're introducing a security vulnerability because then someone get into your fauna database and steal all your stuff. <laughs> so there's like trade-offs all the way down. You know? With everything in one. Yeah. <laughs> we love fauna too. And if you want to hear a really smart person talk for a while, Rob Sutter was on and he will blow your mind. Oh my gosh. That guy. Talking about yeah. databases. Yeah, uh, he dumbs it down for us, but he's he's brilliant. So definitely watch that episode. Okay, I think uh, first of all, thank you. Before we transition, that was an amazing demo. Um, yeah, and now you. we're going to transition into our perfect picks, and you have probably the the funniest one to start with, Anthony. Uh, yeah. So uh, Brittany was saying she doesn't know who Bo Burnham is. So Bo Burnham is someone who. I knew originally as like an original YouTuber. So he got onto like YouTube and had some viral videos back in 2006, 2007. And like, we were the same age. Like I was 16, 17. He was 16, 17. He was like a child prodigy. And he wrote these like funny and now in hindsight, kind of like super offensive songs that he's like not super proud of anymore. But um, he's like, he had a ton of talent and he kind of like parlayed that into like a really, really legitimate career as like, uh, he would create these stand-up routines that were like part stand-up, part theater, part musical comedy, part like all of the stuff at the same time. It's really, really incredible stuff. Yeah. And he um, actually gave up on performing live. So he started having panic attacks. Like he was having like severe panic attacks on stage. So he had to stop performing live. And then the pandemic hit right when he was about to return to the stage, funny enough. <laughs> and then he obviously couldn't. And so he spent a year and two months inside his house just by himself creating like a one-man movie that is like a sequence of skits and songs and just like commentary on the pandemic it's like it's it's very like subtle in that like he never uses the term COVID you know he doesn't talk about COVID but it's like he's making this thing inside he's talking about how he's just like never gonna go outside again <laughs> it's like that's why it's called inside you know so i'll have really to watch incredible. this because it sounds really funny I think but what this is it's on this netflix is, too right 
Yeah, it's a Netflix original. Oh. So what this is, this is the inside outtakes. So he recorded, he created an entire other hour of extra content because he was just inside by himself creating like hours and hours and hours of content. So there's oh like, this, this is like the B-side. So it's like when Radiohead puts out B-sides, the B-sides are still better than most people's regular albums. This is kind of that. It's the inside B-sides, but they're still like so, so good. I highly, highly recommend them. Well, nice. you've just officially uh, figured out a way for me to lose, what, another 20 minutes out of my life. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm actually looking forward to this. I, I feel like this is one of the first things I saw, like, I'll call it post-pandemic, even though we're still mm-hmm. in it. Um, kind of once things relaxed a little bit, this is one of the first things I watched. And I saw him before, and I always was like, are you a stand-up comedian? Are you, like, an artist? Like, what are you? And it's it's just amazing mm-hmm. all the stuff he can do, so... Yeah. Very good pick. <laughs> uh, Brittany, you are up. Oh, yay. Is it? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to step out of the way so I can <laughs> actually show this bad boy and show how gigantic that this thing is. Massive. Like, I can't even get it. Yeah, I can't even get it in my book. <laughs> it's huge. But it is so nice for standing. And I've switched to standing all day. And I'm getting plantar fasciitis now. So maybe the next time I will show you the plantar fasciitis socks that I got that I'm wearing. And I'm not going to attempt to pull my leg up above my head to show you on camera. But this makes it so that your feet have different textures to touch and feel. So you don't get tired of standing. So like you can stretch your calves and you can like massage your feet on the back and stand on the balls to balance. And I really like this thing. That's really cool. I have just kind of the the flat anti-fatigue one and rotate from that to the carpet and back. So this looks cool, though, because I'm always like wanting to put my foot on something. Yep. That's awesome. Um, Your second pick is the state of CSS. Yes. So Adam Argel, who we also had on an amazing episode, he's a CSS wizard. They put on Google IO and did state of CSS and it is in a great place. And this is a great recap of what the state of CSS is. You're muted. (laughs) I should have been playing that the entire time uh, you were talking, but this was incredible, by the way. I've I've found so many tips. I've put them out on Builder's uh, Twitter account already, kind of like rethought through um, using a Scaladra and, and stuff like that. And it blows my mind how far we've come with browsers and like actually agreeing on things. And I can't wait for the next couple of years when we get even closer on this stuff. So mm-hmm. huge props to that entire team. Thank you for doing that. Lots more coming. Brittany tried to steal this one. Uh, <laughs> of course I, I did. I can only imagine why, because it has the name Svelte in it somewhere. So I, I saw this, and I am, um, I'm always intrigued by Svelte, because Brittany is always trying to push me into it. I think she mentioned she's going to rewrite all of Code and Cat at Svelkit one of these days. But this was, this was sweet. Like, they created this entire, like, um flow chart flow library chart. Yeah, i'm like yeah what i'm looking for flow chart um <laughs> it's amazing like and this just kind of showcases felt because it's again folks it's javascript like at the end of the day you get all of this beautiful stuff that the web offers no matter what you're using i found it neat i dug into it a little bit um on the doc side of things super easy Super nice uh, concepts too to to dive into. It reminds me a lot of uh, 
I'm going to call it Mermaid, I think is the right name. Um, using Markdown, you can write in Mermaid, but this kind of is more visually appealing to me. Um, but Markdown fans, you'll hate it. So just <laughs> um, my second pick is, oops, something went wrong, apparently. <laughs> Hopefully it restarts. I know they'll take this oh, down eventually yeah. and I'll probably lose it, but um, this, there we go. This blows me away. So it's it's a 2D game that was on Google I.O. And I think it's the second or third year that they had it on there. Um, I just wanted to call out how amazing still I, I feel like this is. You can walk around the entire space and anytime you want to like interact with something, like let's say this YouTube video up here, you can just bounce onto it and it automatically starts. It just feels way more interactive, especially like at school children. I keep thinking about like they can walk around and get into like little areas um, and then and do something like that. What I can't show, which is really cool, is when you go to. Ah, here's one like this chair right here. Anyone who sits with you on that chair, you can chat directly with and kind of just a, a private ish conversation. Whoever's sitting in the chairs gets to uh, listen to that. So. Found that super amazing too. Um, easy way to to kind of get through. Do you know the what they're using? Is this just JavaScript or is this a library of some? It it is a JavaScript based li gaming engine library. Um, I'll have to find it because I always forget the name of it. Um, but I do have a YouTube link for the library itself and how they made the game. I think in 2019 they showed. There's kind of, something called oh, Topia that Zero to Mastery uses that's similar to this, where you have areas that you can talk to people and use, but it, the style is different. Yeah, there's a couple of great um, just software service uh, platforms that are trying to do more of this kind of thing. Um, and it's not just like complete game based like this, but you can go in and I find those amazing um, because you have kind of like a circle around you. And as long as someone's in like your orbit, essentially, mm -hmm. you can all talk to each other. And I feel like that's a lot more like in-person um, uh, conferences when, you, when you're kind of like walking around. You're like, oh, yeah. hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And like all of a sudden that conversation starts. I, I find like anything virtually that we can somehow pull each other a little closer together is, is awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much, Anthony. I really appreciate you coming on again, as always. Um, yeah, look thank you for having me. Coming on every single time. The Quick Node seems like a, a good spot for you, and you're learning a ton and teaching others a ton. So part of our learn, build, teach is is always that kind of methodology. And uh, appreciate you, man. Yeah, so thank much. you for Absolutely. just being like open to to learning about this stuff. I know that there's some people who are very skeptical of the technology. I think that's totally fair. We should all be skeptical of all all the things we hear <laughs> about about tech. And you know, there's there's definitely scams. There's definitely a lot of a lot of bad actors in the space. And we we want to create a, a safer, more welcoming environment for people who are interested in Web three. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Later.